We go over the latest macro data and biggest analyst calls of the day. Caterpillar beats expectations and Chevron delivers. This is the Running With The Money weekly recap. Let's get into it. What is up and welcome to another episode of the Running With The Money podcast powered by Pounding The Table. I'm your host, Luke Donay, and my oh my, well, happy Friday. We're going to round out this week with the recap per usual. Now, getting right into it, where in the world are the markets today? Well, we closed actually sizably into the green, and this is a first, something we haven't seen in quite a little bit. The Dow Jones finishing up. 564 points, NASDAQ up 417, the S&P 500 up a whopping 105. To put that in percentage terms, Dow Jones up 1.65%, NASDAQ up 3.13%, and the S&P 500 up 2.43%. Now, group by group, sector by sector, what did we see? We saw technology leading the way. That sector up 3.67% today. Real estate and communication services right behind it. There were two underperforming sectors today, two sectors in the red. Those two sectors were basic materials and energy. Energy moving the most to the downside today, down 0.56%. Now, getting into the biggest headlines of the day, we are first going to cover this macro data here that we got, the consumer or the core personal consumption index. Now, what does this index tell us? Well, pretty much it is just another measure of inflation that the Fed uses is another measure um, within the economy that the Fed really uses as an inflation gauge, we should say. Now, taking a look at the core personal consumption index, it did rise by 4.9% year over year, according to the latest report that came out this morning. And it also rose 0.5% on a monthly basis, which was in line with expectations. But the year-over-year move we saw, that 4.9% year-over-year, was ahead of expectations by 0.1%. That's per the Dow Jones estimate of 4.8%. And this is the biggest gain that we have seen in core personal consumption index. Uh, It's the biggest gain we've seen since September of 1983. And this is really one of the core indicators that the Federal Reserve uses to monitor inflation. It's a key indicator for inflation. um, And it's something they definitely pay attention to. Now, we also got some data on personal income. Personal income rose 0.3% for the month, which was below the 0.4% expectation. Meanwhile, consumer spending declined 0.6%, which was less than the estimate of 0.7%. So macro data really here indicating that the economy is strong. We continue to see some inflationary pressure, and it is something to pay attention to and keep your eyes on per usual because inflation has become such a key factor within the economy over the past several months, especially when it comes to the Federal Reserve and what they're going to do. Now, we also have to talk about some data of the Labor Department that we got today. Total compensation cost for civilian workers increased 4% over the course of the past 12 months. Now, all that indicates to us is, in essence, we are seeing um, compensation, the cost of compensation for civilian workers increasing, and that's moving to the upside, 4% over the past 12 months. It doesn't sound like that much initially, but then you realize that's the fastest pace in the history 
of the employment cost index. That's right. The fastest pace this sucker has moved to the upside since they started recording it in 2002. Now, if you seasonally adjust, it did have a seasonally adjusted quarterly increase of 1%, which was less than the 1.2% forecast. So overall, the Federal Reserve is also watching this metric closely monitoring it um, as they do many other labor market metrics. So that's the latest macro data today. The market really didn't fluctuate all too much on that data. And really the core headline number that the market was looking at today was that core personal consumption index, an indicator of inflation that the Federal Reserve typically keeps a close eye on, rising 4.9% year over year. Now shifting into Caterpillar earnings, and this actually moved the market somewhat. So they delivered a Q4 EPS of $2.69 per share. That was ahead of the expectations of $2.27 per share. They delivered sales of $13.8 billion. That's up 23% year over year. So they beat the expectations out of analysts. They delivered an operating profit that grew about roughly $200 million or 17% year over year. And that growth in operating profit was driven by higher volume and pricing according to leadership. Now, operating profit margins, those came in at about 11.6% for Q4 of 2021, which was actually down from the previous 12.5% in the fourth quarter of 2020. So that is something to note here that we did see um, those numbers come down a bit when it comes to operating profit margins, but overall a pretty darn solid quarter by the numbers. Now, taking a look at some management um, information commentary, you take a look at what leadership noted, and they did say that they expect higher prices are going to offset their manufacturing cost increases that they expect to see throughout 2022. They did talk about some supply chain issues and some possible headwinds throughout the year when it comes to that, but they continue to be confident and they said on quote that they expect a very strong demand in 2022. So management is very bullish. In fact, on quote CEO Jim Umbley went on to say quote, I'm proud of our global team's continued resilience in what proved to be a challenging and dynamic operating environment. Amid ongoing supply chain constraints, our team continues to execute our strategy for long-term profitable growth while striving to meet customer demands. So, Caterpillar delivering a pretty solid quarter. At first, the market didn't like the guidance all too much, and the market definitely really um, didn't have a net positive reaction to these earnings numbers, even though they beat expectations. Caterpillar was down on the initial reaction. Now, taking a look at the biggest analyst calls of the day, we had RBC initiating coverage of Walmart as outperformed. RBC goes on to say, quote, while margins will, without a doubt, be choppy near term as inflation pressures have impacted the entire supply chain, we feel Walmart's size and scale makes it one of the best positioned in the space to mitigate those impacts. So, in essence, what we have here is RBC saying, look, guys, we believe Walmart is going to do quite well this year, that they're going to be able to withstand those inflationary pressures much better than competitors, and therefore, we believe this name should outperform, and that's why they have given it and initiated it with an outperform rating. Now, we also have Morgan Stanley reiterating Apple as a top pick. Morgan Stanley goes on to say, quote, a clean December quarter beat and a strong than expected March guide highlights the strength and stickiness of Apple's ecosystem 
in $1.1 billion or 1.1 billion iPhones, which is a clear differentiator in a challenging market environment. So they're citing that ecosystem of 1.1 billion iPhones, not dollars, but actual iPhones, um, which they believe is a clear, quote, differentiator in a challenging market environment. So pretty much Morgan Stanley saying here, look guys, Apple is ridiculously resilient and they have done very well throughout all of the headwinds, whether that's supply chain constraints, inflationary issues, they have done very well despite those issues. And that is why we like the company as a top pick is pretty much what Morgan Stanley is saying. We also had RBC initiating coverage of Target as outperform. The firm went on to say, quote, over the next few quarters, we think it will become increasingly clear that Target's recent momentum goes beyond the pandemic-related demand surge, which should result in a narrowing of its valuation gap versus high-performing retail peers. So, RBC saying here, pretty much, we like Target. We believe they're going to outperform over the next few quarters, and therefore, you know, we believe that this company is at a solid price point where you can jump in on it and do well. It's pretty much what RBC is saying here, and they're not liking that valuation gap still. They still see that gap as an opportunity. Now, we had Deutsche Bank opening a catalyst call by idea on Goldman Sachs. What does Deutsche Bank have to say about Goldman? They go on to say, quote, However, we think Goldman Sachs is a bit misunderstood, underappreciated. For example, while costs disappointed in the fourth quarter and full year of 2021, expense management has been very strong over the last two years on robust revenues. We also feel the market hasn't fully appreciated the massive share gains in IB and trading. So, Deutsche Bank saying, look, guys, you're looking at one part of Goldman Sachs quarter and you're not really taking into consideration the consistency over the course of the past two years and those outsized revenues. And therefore, Deutsche Bank believes that Goldman is a buy. We also had Credit Suisse reiterating Amazon as outperform. The firm went on to say, quote, we maintain our outperform rating with the thesis based on the following. One, e-commerce segment operating margin expansion as it grows into a larger infrastructure. Two, optionality for faster than expected free cash flow growth vis-a-vis its advertising segment. So pretty much we have Credit Suisse saying, look guys, Amazon, rock solid company. We like the fact that their e-commerce segment is likely going to see that operating margin expansion as it grows into that larger infrastructure. And then they also said that they believe there's some optionality for faster than expected free cash flow growth via its advertising segment. And therefore, the firm believes that this name should outperform and gave it an outperform rating. Now, we also have Bank of America reiterating Meta Platforms, previously known as Facebook, as a buy. Bank of America went on to say, quote, we continue to see a difficult first half setup for e-commerce and online media stocks and prefer travel group for the second quarter rebound. Meta has potential for unusual volatility around metaverse transition, reopening, IDFA pressure, and reels promotion, but we like Meta's relative valuation. So pretty much Bank of America reiterating Meta platforms, previously known as Facebook, as a buy on a valuation basis. We also had City upgrading tractor supply to buy from neutral. 
Said he went on to say, quote, we came away with Tractor Supply's enhanced earnings event, more constructive on the top line growth opportunity and believe the new higher margin profile is much more compelling to justify valuation akin to blue chip retail peers. So pretty much City saying, look, guys, we went back. We did even more homework on this company. We like what we're seeing on the earnings front. We're liking what they are doing when it comes to that top line growth. And therefore, um, we continue to like the name and now upgrade it to buy from neutral. And then finally, we had a call out of D.A. Davidson upgrading a firm holdings to buy from neutral. D.A. Davidson went on to say, quote, after a brutal sell-off, we see a much improved risk reward in shares of a firm, especially given our bullish views into results. Industry data suggests U.S. buy now, pay later usage more than doubled this holiday season. And combined with the firm's own amazing retail traction plus Amazon, we see material upside into results. So pretty much D.A. Davidson is saying, look, guys, this sucker has sold off way too far. And the earnings suggest and the numbers suggest that they're going to beat this next quarter, possibly um, in a very large quantity, given the uptick in U.S. buy now, pay later usage throughout the holiday season is pretty much what D.A. Davidson is saying here. Now, rotating out of the biggest analyst calls of the day, we have to talk also about an earnings report we got this morning out of Chevron. Chevron did indeed beat expectations um, in some areas, not all areas. So when it came to earnings per share, they delivered an EPS of $2.56, which was below the expectation of $3.12. But on the revenue front, it came in at $48.13 billion, which topped the expected $45.69 billion. So they beat expectations on revenue, but not earnings per share. Now, shifting into their fourth quarter results and comparing them to a year ago, this was a solid quarter. In fact, Chevron's fourth quarter results a year ago was a loss of one cent per share on an adjusted basis and revenue of $25.25 billion. So a significant improvement year over year when in comparison. Now, taking a look at the full year, because this was the fourth quarter for Chevron, so we also got full year metrics. Chevron saw a record free cash flow level of $21.1 billion and reduced their debt by $12.9 billion. They earned $15.6 billion for the full year, and that is compared with a loss in 2020 of $5.5 billion. And the company's cash flow from operations was $29.2 billion in 2021, which was more than double the 2020 level of $10.6 billion. So definitely some significant improvements on the earnings front on a year-over-year basis for Chevron. Now, taking a look at the average sales price of natural gas out of Chevron in the U.S., it jumped to $4.78 uh, per thousand cubic feet during the fourth quarter, and that is up from $1.49 in the same quarter last year. So an improvement there. Chevron also said that net oil equivalent production did decrease 5% year over year in the fourth quarter to 3.12 million barrels a day. And then finally, uh, Chevron's average sales price per barrel of crude oil in natural gas liquids in the United States nearly doubled year over year, rising to $63 during the fourth quarter of 2021 in comparison to $33 just a year earlier. So some solid numbers within those earnings out of Chevron, missing on EPS, but the rest of the numbers, pretty darn solid. Now, shifting into the biggest moments of the week, because of course this is the weekly recap, we have to talk about what we saw Monday. So on Monday, we saw IBM come out and they beat expectations, delivering an EPS of $3.35 per share, which was 
much better than the $3.30 that analysts were expecting. And then revenue, they delivered $16.7 billion compared to the $15.96 billion expectation. And then also on Monday, we had Kohl's absolutely flying, uh, soaring 36% on some acquisition news with two offers from two potential suitors to purchase the Kohl's company. Now, shifting into Tuesday, what did we have going on Tuesday? Well, if you don't remember, we had American Express beating Q4 expectations. That stock saw a major positive reaction on that report. American Express delivered a quarterly EPS of $2.18, which was much better than the $1.78 estimate. And then also you compare that to just a year ago where they had a $1.76 per share. So EPS year over year, pretty solid improvement. And they also posted revenues of $12.15 billion for the quarter, their Q4, uh, which ended December 2021. And that was better than the estimate uh, by 4.72%. Now, you take a look also on Tuesday, we got a headline out of NVIDIA, the company potentially abandoning the ARM deal, according to sources per Bloomberg. If you want more details on that headline, we talked about that for quite a little bit because that's a big deal for NVIDIA. This is a massive acquisition that they're trying to carry out. And if they can't carry this acquisition out, if it fails and they abandon it, what happens to the stock? Um, How reliant are investors on that ARM acquisition. It'll be interesting to see. And then also, we had consumer confidence numbers. We had consumer confidence falling with the Consumer Conference Board's index decreasing to 113.8 from the downwardly revised 115.2 reading in December. So consumer confidence also falling on Tuesday. Tuesday was a packed day. But then we got into Wednesday. And what in the world happened Wednesday? Well, We got that commentary out of the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve setting some criteria for tapering down that balance sheet, balance sheet reduction. Of course, not really setting any hard plan whatsoever yet, especially when it comes to rate hikes continuing to stick to their attitude that rate hikes will likely begin to rise within the coming months. Um, But they have not given a strict plan on that quite yet. And we also saw Jerome Powell pretty much saying that the economy was strong and that he believed the economy could withstand rate hikes, some balance sheet reduction, and that it no longer needed stimulus. And that spooked the markets a little. We saw a sell-off in the close on the Federal Reserve commentary. And then also, same day, we got earnings out of Boeing, Tesla, and Intel. All of those names delivering uh, solid numbers aside from Boeing. Boeing definitely delivered um, probably the worst numbers out of earnings that day. They delivered an adjusted loss per share of $7.69, which was much worse than the expected loss of $0.42. And then they also delivered revenue of $14.79 billion compared to the expectation of $16.59 billion. If you want more details on that earnings report out of Boeing, Definitely go and listen to the Wednesday briefing. We talked about that uh, for actually quite a little bit. And then we also had Tesla earnings. Tesla absolutely crushed it to the upside when it came to earnings, delivering an earnings per share of $2.52 compared to the expectation of $2.36. And then revenue of $17.72 billion compared to the $16.57 billion expectation. And then rounding out Wednesday, Intel delivering an EPS of $1.09 compared to the expectation of $0.91 in revenue of $19.5 billion, which was better than the $18.31 billion that was expected. Intel delivering a very strong quarter, at least for the company specifically. 
And then shifting into Thursday, we had even more macro data. We had GDP data. We had growth drivers behind GDP, including increases in private inventory investments, strong consumer activity, and exports and business spending. Um, when it came to GDP, you take a look at GDP. And the quarter did bring an end to 2021, which saw a 5.7% increase in annualized GDP. Also, it's important to note that that growth is the fastest pace we have seen in GDP since 1984. And then we also had jobless claims on Thursday with initial unemployment claims totaling 260,000. That's down 30,000 from the prior period. And economists were calling for unemployment claims to fall around 265,000. So the expectations were beat on the jobs claims front on Thursday. And then, of course, we had some data on capital goods with orders for those long-lasting goods declining 0.9%. For more details on all the macro data that came out of Thursday, definitely go give to Thursday Briefing. Listen, where we go into all of that, in much more detail. And then to round out Thursday, we had MasterCard earnings. They delivered an earnings per share of $2.35, which beat the expectation of $2.19. And we also had revenues of $5.22 billion out of MasterCard, exceeding the forecast of $5.13 billion. If you want more detail on MasterCard earnings, go give the Thursday briefing a listen. But that is the weekly recap. I thank you all for listening once again. And also, we have a Sunday special. We're kicking off a new series for the podcast where I am going to be interviewing an investor, a investment favorite amongst social media, a very smart individual. I'm going to be interviewing very smart individuals within the investment space now every Sunday to every other Sunday to bring you even more content. And it's really just going to be a free flowing conversation about the markets, investments, and really what we're thinking about the market at the current time. So the first episode is dropping this Sunday. We have a special guest on and I cannot wait to share this. You can get a hint of who the guest is if you go to my Twitter. You will actually see that we talked about it quite a bit last night, but I cannot wait to release this on Sunday, and I will definitely be letting you all know when it drops, probably Sunday morning, so be on the lookout for that. But in the meantime, go get my boys over at Pounding the Table, a listen at Pounding the Table on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. And also go give me and my team a listen on Instagram and Facebook. We're trying to make a push on other social media platforms. So you can go follow Running With The Money on Instagram. We are also posting there quite a bit and we have new content in the pipeline, even more content in the pipeline that we will also be posting on to Instagram. Very exciting, big stuff coming up, and I cannot wait to share this new content with you. Easily Profit Trade On, and I will see you on Sunday.